starts to move in the way the Holy Spirit does. And why is, why is that important? Because when we want to build according to man's structure, we will miss what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you. Why is that so important? Because the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus in the church. The Holy Spirit is the government of heaven in the church. God is superior to man. Do I get an amen this morning? Or is that too deep too early? Let me try it a different way. Good morning. How's everyone? <laughs> Let's connect. Um, you know, worship is a wonderful thing, but it's never a warm-up for something else. Worship is the prize that we have to share intimacy with God. Worship is not just a song. It's a, our heart revealed through a song. Worship is not just singing. Worship, the highest form of worship, is you laying your life down with and for Jesus. Obedience is the highest form of worship. Obedience. And that's such a struggling word for us in Australia because we don't want to submit ourselves to anyone or anything, let alone your boss. Hey? hey you'll be mates, go out for a beer, but no, I'm not going to do anything my boss tells me to do, but if my mate says, yeah, don't worry about it. We've got to learn that submission to the words of God produce life to us. Submission is for our benefit, not for God's. He's not running around and going, oh, they're not submitting to me. Because he's in relationship with us. You know what I'm saying? Like a, a father's love and a father's authority is not for him, it's for the children. Who's a parent in this house this morning? Now, in your parenting, what do you want to do with your children? Do you want to continually discipline them? No, you want to first love them. So how do you love them? You speak words of encouragement and words of life into their life, don't you? You teach them in the way they should go, don't you? Don't you teach them that it's good for them to obey you? Why? Not because it doesn't get you upset, but they learn how to be self-governing and responsible. And you allow them to make good decisions in life. But it, they, don't, they don't come out of the womb as a little baby and you go, okay, just go feed yourself now. Just go cook a steak, you'll be fine. There is a development, isn't there, from childhood to maturity. And in the development between childhood and maturity, isn't there a responsibility of a father and a mother to raise a child? Are you with me? You can say yes at any stage. Why is that so important? Because we have a conception in the church that God is first a judge before he's our father. We have built the church on fear instead of love, truth and life. See, I just feel the Holy Spirit just step in. We have so misrepresented God to the world and to ourselves. That's the mindset we get locked into. Because we never see ourselves as loved. We never see ourselves as worthy. 
And we never see ourselves as valuable. And sometimes I just wonder to my to myself, God's saying, what more can I possibly do to demonstrate how much I love you? I went to the cross as your sacrifice. I stood in your place. I carried all the wrong, all the rejection, all the hurt, all the pain. I carried it so you wouldn't have to. I picked up your load and took it to death that you would never have to live in that again. Think about that. Jesus was willing to be wrong so we could be right with God. And we've taught a gospel based on fear, not a gospel based on love, truth and life. Why is that so important? Because when I come to Jesus, I don't come loud and proud. I come overwhelmed by his truth and his love that is rescuing me, taking me out of that which I've been so used to and what I think is normal. Fear, loss, lack, Judgment, not good enough, not enough. Anyone felt like that? Unable, impotent. I've just got to let the world shape my life. Who's ever felt like that? Who's felt powerless in a world? Well, I'll just let the world shape who I am. That was never God's idea. It's Satan's idea. You see, you think the world culture is built just on humanity. It's built on a corrupt, tyrannical, spiritual system called the kingdom of darkness. And the prince of this age, the spiritual king over the culture of this age is Satan. And he tempts humanity like sugar in your food. Who likes sugar? I like sugar. And when you're used to sugar, you're used to having it. And when you're not having it, you're not having the hit that sugar provides. And that's what he does. Living for self is like sugar in your life. It's sweet in the moment. But then, you know, when you have a peak in sugar, what happens when you're not getting your next sugar hit? you go down. So our Christian life is not meant to be a peak and a trough and a peak and a trough because that's how the world lives. So what do we do in the world? If, if self is like sugar, we just keep feeding ourselves sugar. So if I need another hit, I need the instant hit. I need an instant hit of self. Why? Because I need to come back up. But I don't know how to do that myself. I have to get it from someone else. So I pull on you to be my sugar hit, myself hit. Jesus says, I'm stopping all of that. I'm changing all of that because you're never designed for that. Ever. You're designed to be in a relationship with a loving father, placed in to a loving family, where together 
You can be valuable. You can be honored. You can be self-governing. And you can be responsible. Working together. Seeing the best in each other. That was God's intention in the garden in Adam and Eve. That they would walk by the Spirit in communion with God every day. That they would walk in the cool of the evening in His presence, by His empowerment, by His fullness from heaven to earth. No lack. What was the curse that came on to Adam and Eve in the judgment? That there would be dominion over the woman and that Adam would now have to work by the sweat of the brow. It would have to be up to his industry, not up to God's provision. And we've learned a culture that puts self at the center. Am I speaking to anyone today? Just like a sugar hit. Let's feed myself. What can you do for me? But love is never based on what you can do for me. Love, according to Jesus, is based in what I lay down my life for you. See, when we understand that, we see we need each other. You can't do this alone. You can only do it through God's blueprint, which is called relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with one another. But if I'm used to living in a culture and a mindset, with me at the center, I haven't built understanding or skills about how to do that. Because every decision I make is about me. I don't know how to consider you. But when I consider you, I flourish. How do I know this? Who's heard of Simon Sinek? He's a motivational speaker to the world in business. Do you know what he's talking about? Biblical principles of relationship. He's talking about business principles. A biblical principles of you can't flourish without relationship. You can't flourish without building a culture every day of the little things that build relationship. You see... Being the church is not coming to a church on a Sunday. It's every little thing you do every day to foster your relationship with God and one another away from the meeting, not just in the meeting. So that when you come to a meeting, this is the overflow of your life. It's not something you do. It's not an event. You can't build a relationship out of events. Relationship is built on the little things you do every single day. It's the, hey, how are you going? How are you today, buddy? With the willingness to listen to a response. Do you know what Jesus does? He wants a relationship with you in the little things every day. And he wants to listen to your response. How many of us go to worship to get something instead of to be with someone? How many of us pray to get something rather than to be with someone? I told you yesterday afternoon, I was up here on the Gold Coast. I was at Wet and Wild and I was busy, busy practicing law and my life was very, very busy and we had an event. We went to Wet and Wild. We came up and we had a family holiday. 
And I was loving spending time with my little kids. We sat there by the pool and we, we ate our lunch together and I just wanted to be with them. But they wanted to be on the adventure of all the rides. That's what little kids do, isn't it? I want to be on the adventure. What's exciting for me today? Hey, Dad, thanks, I'm off. And they ran off to be on all of this. They wanted the adventure. They wanted to explore and, and be everything. And my heart broke. Because I realized that my fatherhood was based on events, not the little things every day. That my wife was really good at establishing. My heart broke because I wanted to spend time with my kids. I said, Lord, what's going on? He says, well, now you know how I feel. You're always looking for the next thing, Paul. You're always looking for the excitement, for the rush, like a self-sugar hit. He said, but you never want to spend time with me. From father to father, I got a revelation. From father to father. And I realized this idea we have of God is so alien because religion has destroyed it. It's not more complicated than this. He is a loving father, the most perfect father you will ever experience in your life. And all fathering is modeled on him. But what we do, like Israel did, is we model God on our own idea of our own experiences of fathering. And we're in error. Because we think loving is punishing our kids because we're ticked off and frustrated. And most of our relationship that we have in the church is built out of conflict, not built out of giving ourselves to one another. And we have conversations where we haven't built a bridge to be able to establish the words we want to bring. Because our context in the world is more critical than it is encouraging. Why do I say all these things? Because unless we come back to a Jesus pattern, which is a Genesis pattern, we are not going to see the realities of what God wants to build in and through our lives towards one another. The world is broken. And God uses broken people, doesn't he? Last time I checked, I came into the kingdom a little broken. Because I didn't know how to experience love because I came in as a spiritual orphan. I came in fractured. But I have to learn to give up sugar so that I can have real life. I've got to have good food, good nourishment, form new habits. And that's going to take time. And it just doesn't happen with doing it once. A bit like cleaning your teeth. How many of you know cleaning your teeth is important? Going to the dentist is important. You go, yeah, but I clean myself every day. It's, I clean my teeth every day. Well, I hope you do. And, and it's just a big deal. But it's not the one. See, it's like going to the gym, as Simon Sinek says. He says, you go to the gym and you go to the gym and you pump iron. And you come home and you look in the mirror and you go, no difference. Who's ever done that? I've got a gym membership. I haven't used it for 12 months, but it's there just in case. 
Hey, that's my freedom. Tracy says, get rid of that gym membership. I said, no, it gives me free will. It gives me a choice if I want to go and get fit. I'm empowered by that membership. I'm empowered by the membership, but I never use it. But the thought of being empowered is freedom. But I never exercise my freedom. That's what we do with Christianity. We've got a gym membership and we never use it. And we think we're going to grow strong in the Lord. We'll just come, we'll just go to the gym once a week. And if I feel like it today, I'll push a few weights. We've got no real routine, but I might work on my muscles because that's going to look good. I'll just do the bicep curl today. I really like the bicep curl because I want big arms. Well, you can be all arms and no body. You know what I'm saying? That's not a good look. You ever seen tennis players? They produce children with really big right arms. It's their serving arm. In other words, you build what you use. And weight training is about having resistance in your hands to build muscle, to build you. But here's the thing. It's not the one event that makes you shape your body. It's the consistency every day, 20 minutes every day, right diet, right exercise. What I eat, I need to burn. You're sort of getting the metaphor, aren't you? You see, Jesus didn't come and give us the opportunity for freedom. Jesus came to empower us through our freedom so that we wouldn't need sugar every day, but we would live from him and his words and his life every day. And it's what you eat you've got to use. You've got to give expression to. You've got to establish. Because otherwise, if you just nourish yourself and you have no exercise, what do you look like? Any ideas? There's a lot of fat sheep running around the paddocks in Australia. We have been fed such an amazing diet but we still live impotent, powerless, ineffective, and we still haven't shaped ourselves to look like Jesus just yet. What's the missing ingredient? I've got to learn how to keep connected so that I can keep connected. And everything I'm received, I need to reveal. Everything I have is for you, not for me. You see, we are put in each other's lives, not for our sake, but for our sake. The body needs each other part. We don't just hop around on one leg. We don't just have a big bicep. We need every part working together, joined together, every ligament joined together because we all have the same blood flow. We all have the same DNA. We all have the same life force that's flowing through every member of the body. It's called the life of Jesus Christ. And it's revealed in the Holy Spirit. And so when my, when my big toe is out of balance, you know, have you ever had a problem with your big toe? It causes balance to your whole body. You ever had a problem with your inner ear, the little, the smallest part of your body in your inner ear and your whole balance is off. See, God uses the little things 
to balance the bigger things. But the body has to know how to be the body. When you just learn to live as an individual, you don't know how to be in community. Why am I saying this? Because God's not just looking for a superstar. He's looking for a people. He's not looking for the one that's anointed and comes in and does the tricks. He's looking for a people that when that person comes in, you're better for it, not I'm better for it. We come and learn how to serve one another from a heartbeat that we all want to flourish. Why? Because we are all called together. Let me tell you this. God has designed a community that when every part of the community works together towards the purpose of relationship and the purpose of bringing forward the kingdom into a city, it becomes effective. Every time somebody doesn't choose to work towards that body, the body is deficient for the assignment that it's been given. You understand what I'm saying? Sunday is not about us coming to a meeting. It's coming together to give glory to a king to create a spiritual reality that we can go and outwork together into the world. We are liberators. We are world changers. We are culture changers. We don't live under the culture of the world. We shift the culture of the world. See, the culture of the world is sugar and self. The culture of the kingdom is Jesus and the Holy Spirit and I'm powerful and I'm effective and I live every day by a new culture. Why? Because sugar is no longer part of my diet. It will ultimately kill you. See, the world system is built on a paradigm called sin and death. It doesn't know it. And because it gratifies self, it's like sugar to our body. Sooner or later, the church has to get off of sugar and get onto the real diet of Jesus Christ. And this leads me to this. Ephesians 4.11 to 12, Passion Translated, and Adam's going to come up. And he has appointed some with the grace, that's God's enabling power, to be apostles, and some with the grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with the grace to be pastors, shepherds, and some with the grace to be teachers. Notice there's multiple graces, not just one. Why? Because they have to work together. For what purpose? Let's have a look. And their calling, the very purpose they exist, is so they can have a really big ministry with Learjets. No, that's not in the Scripture. And their calling, the very purpose they've been given the grace is to nurture and prepare, to equip. To nurture, that's the language of a mum and a dad. To parent. To give themselves for the benefit of the children of God. To give themselves for your benefit that you will be built up. And that word equip comes from a Greek word that means to bring into alignment. 
that word of alignment is like a chiropractor. You know, who's ever been to a chiropractor? And when your body's out of alignment, do you suffer pain? Can you be effective when your body is out of alignment? When your, your, your skeletal frame is out, it affects other parts of your body, yeah? Am I talking to anyone? That word means the same thing. So what the apostle and the prophet do is they come in and they, they bring us back into the alignment of Jesus as the risen king and the Holy Spirit as the Lord in the church. We come back into the blueprint of heaven on earth. We get rid of the sugar culture, the self culture, and we come in to a heavenly kingdom culture where Christ is the center of our life. And as Paul says, he is our life. Every word that comes from his mouth, every revelation that comes from him to the Holy Spirit produces life in us. It shapes our habitual thinking from the world and sugar and self into a Christ life. You can't live on sugar with its highs and lows and be consistent in the love of God. You see, when you come into the kingdom, you come through a place called death to your sugar diet and self. So you've made a decision that your life is no longer found in the world and all of its influences. You made the decision to make sure life was in Christ and His world. You have to transfer out of one into the other. And Jesus says, if you want to hang on to this sugar life, this sin life, this self life, then its tragedy is that you'll never experience every, anything of the life that God intended for you, that Jesus paid a price for, that you could live. See, when you die with him, you rise with him. Your life is now in him, not in the world. And anything that doesn't look like in him has to come out of your thinking and your day-to-day living. But it's done through a changing of desire, not out of fear. It's come because you're motivated by God's love towards you, not fear. Turn and burn never created mature believers. We just took out fire insurance. God wants you to have life and life abundantly. Life and life abundantly. The world can't give you that. Oh, it looks attractive, doesn't it? It looks right. It's dominant. It's influential. But at the end of the day, the worldly culture burns. The heavenly culture prevails. Like, if, who, who wants to invest in a stock that ultimately is going to crash? Is that a good investment? Then why do we? Why do we keep living on sugar when we can live on real meat, real food, real sustenance to empower us? And their calling is to nurture and prepare, equip all the holy believers to their own works of ministry. Everyone playing a role. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up 
the body of Christ. Who's being enlarged and built up? You. My job is to come and build you up. To enlarge you, to make you a big person. Not a sugar addict and a small person. Because I'm a small person when my world is all about me. I'm a big person when my world is about others as well. Who wants to be a small person? Anyone? No one. I want to be a big person. You see, we've been more interested in building big churches instead of big people. But when you build big people, you become influential. You become empowered. You become free and powerful. You start to determine the culture within you so you can change the culture around you. And that's what the apostolic does. And these grace ministries will function until we all, say all, we all attain to the oneness, many parts into one, the faith. What's the faith? It's a person. We're all one in Jesus. That means we have the heartbeat of Jesus in all of us. Not the heartbeat of the world. We have the heartbeat of the kingdom in us. We have the blood flow of the DNA of Jesus Christ in us. And so what these gifts come and do, they come and mature us like parents in that development. Why? Because we come broken with a mindset that's in the world and we've now got to be developed into the actions and the life of learning how to live in a different house. God's house. And God's house looks nothing like the house in the world. Satan's house, the prince of the air, is the one that is influencing the culture of this age. It's not just happening. It's spiritual. And we become the counterintelligence move by moving in a different spirit, a spirit that is more powerful than the spirit of this age. See, that's what the church should be doing. That's what the church needs to become, a spirit people that shift the spiritual realities of a region of a home, of a life. So that true freedom, true life can be released to the individual, to families, to cities, and to nations. Amen? These graces will function until we all attain to oneness in the faith, until we all experience the fullness. Oh, I don't know, I'm not there yet. I'm not yet experiencing the fullness. So because of that, because of the promise, what do I want to do? Hey, what do I need to get off of sugar on? What's, if I still got sugar in my diet, I think I have. I think I've got a little bit of self going on there. And I've got to give away the sugar for Jesus. Does it take a little bit of getting used to? Who's ever come off sugar? But here's the thing. When you've got off sugar and you go back to sugar, it's too sweet. It's sickly. You don't want it anymore. That's what happens when you start living for Jesus. The fullness of what it means to know, to intimately experience the Son of God. I'm not my life. He's my life. And finally, we become one as one New perfect man, not divided by gender, not divided by race, not divided by anything. 
one new man all joined together in and around Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Neither Jew nor Gentile. All one in him. That we may reach spiritual maturity. What's the role of a parent? To have a big family? Just simply to keep reproducing all day? I mean, as pleasurable as that is. I'm sorry if I use sex in the conversation, but last time I looked, we were meant to procreate. We're meant to have children. But having children and not developing is not part of the equation of a parent. What you produce, you've got to develop. That's your responsibility as a parent, isn't it? Is that not right? See, see, we want big churches, but we don't want to look after the kids. Am I, am I talking to anyone today? See, how many kids can you really look after? I've got four children, each of them different. That's a really big task. Because they're all different and they need a different aspect of me to interrelate with them. But you know what? When they're all in a relationship with the true father, my relationship as a father is easy. That's why we connect everyone back to the true father so we can be fathered spiritually and then the fathering can produce maturity so that you're mature with one another and you build each other up. As we build you up, you build each other up. See, that's a new idea for the world. Because I'm too busy pulling you down so I can look good. So I'm so insecure about who I am. I need to make you look less than me so I can look better than you. That is sin personified, self personified, sugar personified. What I should be doing is saying, how can I come into your life and encourage you, build you up, strengthen you? Hey, I see your weakness, but let me come and add to be your strength. You can't do this by yourself. God's design is not that we do it by ourselves, but we do it together. And when we do it together in the little things every day and we form new habits, Christ is getting formed in us and Christ is getting revealed through us. It's not just about more teaching because teaching is useless unless I receive it and go and live it. It's just silos of seeds but I've got to take the seed of God's word and plant it in my life that it bears its fruit. Amen? We have an amazing gift here, Adam Thompson, who's a friend of mine. An amazing gift. I've taken way too long this morning, but I, I just felt the Holy Spirit. Sorry, Adam. <laughs> I just felt the Holy Spirit take hold of that a bit for you this morning. But Adam is an incredible gift. He's a fivefold prophet. He's an Ephesians 4, 11 gift. He has written many, many books. He's a very, very good friend of mine. And he knows how to move in the revelatory realm. He knows how to take the things of the wisdom of God and reveal them to you. He knows how to operate in the power of God through the prophetic. And why is that important? Because it's designed to build you up. It's designed to bring you into maturity because it's one of the gifts that work together to bring us up into the full stature of Christ. Amen? Let's welcome Adam. Amen. How is everybody? Um, 
I just want to thank Pastor Ben and Jess. Can I have this up a little bit? Is that okay? Thanks. I'm an ex-rock singer, so I need a bit of feedback, you know what I mean? Fallback, whatever you call it. Um, but I want to thank uh, Pastor uh, Ben and Jess for having us uh, and having me uh, minister here. It's been a real blessing to be a part of the community here. And uh, I really connected with these guys and they're just, um, uh, you know, I've traveled all over the world. I'm, I'm away nine months a year, toing and throwing. And uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I must say, when you're in ministry, you, f you see the, a lot of real, the real deals. You see people, the true people of God, and you do get the counterfeits and the fakes. But uh, I want to say that I'm not trying to suck up to anything, but you guys are the real deals. And I really want to honor them today um, for what they're doing here. And I, I'm really blessed to be, to be connected with them. But um, I just want to follow on from what Paul was saying, and then I'm going to do some ministry. Uh, I think we might better better do at least one dream interpretation and see what the Lord does. Uh, but just, just want to just follow on about something that Paul said about, uh, about worship. The ultimate obedience is actually worship. You know, back in the times when I was working out my walk with God, back in the 90s after I had this visitation of the Lord, I had another encounter where um, I basically... I got so passionate and when I thought I had the wisdom of God, well, when I said I had the wisdom of God yesterday, I had this impartation and I had the wisdom to understand the language of heaven, but it wasn't an intellectual thing. And uh, But with my business and after this encounter I had with Jesus, I thought I was going to be this intellectual genius, but things went completely reverse and my business was, was struggling and I was making dumb decisions. I was a bit like those guys from Dumb and Dumber, you know. You know, I was uh, saying everything wrong and, you know. But what happened was um, I was so passionate. And I remember I remember saying to myself, I'm not going to eat. I'm going to fast. I'm not going to eat until Jesus appears to me again, you know. And, uh, and it was a little bit religious because I was just thinking, you know, I'm not going to eat. And after about like 20 days, I looked like, you know, a stunned mullet, you know. And I couldn't, I just had no energy. I didn't, I had just water and then I started to go on to juice. But after about 28 days, I, I, I was sort of like, I looked like a half-sucked lemon. And then I went and I was on the board of this, one of the biggest building companies in South Australia, my father owned. And I went into the board, I was the youngest one on the board, on the board. And uh, I went into the meeting, on the monthly board meeting. I'm sitting at the end of the table and there's all these senior men and it was just me, the young guy. And my uncle was the chairman of the company. He looked at me and he said, you look terrible. He goes, what have you been doing? I said, oh, just, I'm, I'm not eating until Jesus appears to me. And he, and he looked at me and went, son, that'll do it. He said, you don't eat, you will see Jesus. <laughs> but what happened was, and it was a little bit religious, you know, I mean, I really believe fasting's different. I was sharing, if you weren't here uh, yesterday, but you just listen to the teaching. I think it's recorded, is it? There's a lot of teaching on the fasting as well and, and how I uh, came into the international calling. And it's not about ministry, it's about the intimacy with God and having a relationship with Him. But what happened was I did have this, God honored me, you know, 
when it comes to my request and passion, even though it might have been the wrong way. But I did have another visitation of Jesus after about, after about uh, 35 days. I was like, I had this visitation of the Lord about 2 a.m. and he was standing there. And all I can explain, it was like Jesus looking like the Catholic Jesus with the flowing robes and he had his love and his hands out towards me. And he said, he said a few words. He said, he said, obey me. And then I sort of woke up and I remember just eating tuna at two in the morning going, obey me. Is that it? I could have read that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, <clears throat> and I thought religiously, like, obey me. I thought, well, but then I realized the revelation to that is abide in me. And, uh, and it was actually coming to a place in his presence, in his abode, in his place where, where you're intimate with him and you're actually in a place with worship. And worship actually brings you into that place. It lines you up to the gate so you can walk in and, and actually spend time with him in his presence. See, Jesus said to the woman of the world, there's a day coming. And they had this kind of, a, 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 a not an argument, but they had this conversation about religion, how... You know, she said, well, you Jews say we've got to go to the temple. Our fathers say we've got to go to the mountain to worship God. And he said, no, no, no. There's a day coming when you can enter in. You can worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And that's the biggest key with my walk with the Lord is, is actually going in that place of just worshiping him, being intimate with him anywhere, and you can actually access. Because when you worship and praying the spirit, praying in tongues is actually lining you up with the gate. There's different manifestations of tongues. I won't go into teaching. There's a public assembly interpretation. But praying in the tongues and just self-edification and praying in the Holy Spirit is building yourself up in your most holy faith, it says in the book of Jude. And you're actually lining yourself up with the gate and you come into the presence of God. And that's when you can constantly, you're in that place regularly and you can come into encounters. And that's abiding in him. That's coming into his abode, coming to a place where you're, you're actually in his presence and you have the visions and the encounters and the dreams. The more you do that, the more you have a dream life which is supernatural. Amen? So I just wanted to... Now, I, I just feel that we could just for a moment just unlock something here in the spirit. I mean, the presence of God is here, but I just really... I really want to um, come to that gate uh, where the angelic realms is activated. And just for those who don't know me uh, very well uh, I don't worship angels but the angelic realm is real and it's very important to have the angelic realm around your life they are around your life and I said this yesterday but a lot of them are bored out of their brains because we need to understand what it is to decree the word of the Lord like a Gatling gun and when you start releasing the word someone said to me you have no right Adam who do you think you are someone rebuked me and said you, you can't tell angels what to do and I said well it's true you're right. You got me there. Yep. I can't tell angels what to do out of my own opinion. But when I come into the in that place with the gate with Jesus and I'm with Christ and and I'm start decreeing the word out of the revelation and the, there's a river of revelation flowing out of your mouth, as angels will start to spark up and get excited and they start to get they start to be released. And that's why the the man said the centurion to the actual Roman. Uh, official said to Jesus, "All you have to do is say the word." He understand. He understood the chain of command in the spirit realm. 
He said, all you have to do is say the word and my servant will be healed. And it comes to a point now where I can actually start decreeing. And this is not boasting about myself, but I, with Christ and being in that place with him, I can start decreeing from a long distance away and people get healed. Because all we have to do is agree with the Lord and say the word and then something manifests. And the Lord's moves and his kingdom is about moving at the speed of light and also moving the speed of thought. Did you know that? He actually, you can move by the speed of thought in God's kingdom. So it's very real. And uh, it's called walking the way Jesus walked, 1 John 2, 6. He, had the, he, he was an example as a man. And uh, God was an example as a man, Jesus. And, he, and the resurrection power pretty much handed the baton to you so that you can take the baton and you can actually start outrunning out the chariot, moving in the authority, and he even said you'll do greater things. And I believe that was conquered by, you know, it was an example, I should say, by uh, Reinhard Bonnke. He's led something like over 50 million people to Christ in his ministry. I think that's probably an example of what it is to do greater things because Jesus had a short period of time of his life on earth. Amen?